The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Hello, Hope Hill, and to all of those who are joining us. Uh, again, it's so great to be able to come to you and share some words of encouragement. And we're going to continue on this idea of, of staying positive during the season that brings so much negative with it. And so today we're going to be turning in our Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, if you want to find in your Bibles that passage. Uh, we're going to be going there in a minute. But before we do, I just want to say how grateful I am to our team who works tire- so tirelessly uh, behind the scenes to make these broadcasts happen each week. Mason, I love you, man. Uh, I'm so grateful and appreciative of all you do, all the hard work you put in. Uh, This week, Mason is on vacation, and so we're doing the best we can to make things work behind the scenes. And as you can tell by the video quality, Mason has a special touch. Uh, With that being said, if you have always wanted to be a part of a production team, we're trying to build this team. If you want to get into video editing, uh, capturing video, helping us create a weekly broadcast, reach out to us. We'd love to plug you in. But Mason, we love you and thank you so much for all that you do, all the hours of work you put in uh, to helping us communicate uh, this beautiful message of the gospel. Thank you, man. I hope you're having a great week on vacation. 2020 has been an interesting year, hasn't it? It's been such a year of paradox. In many extreme ways, we have seen things like we have never seen before. And from one end of the spectrum to the other, we've seen conflicting ideas. On one end of the spectrum, there's been so much hate and not enough love. There's been um, so many needs and in in many ways, a lack of jobs or, or resources to meet those needs. There's been a an abundance of fear and, and, and not enough peace or hope. The pills are piling up and many people are struggling to keep up. On the other end of the spectrum, we have seen some, some amazing things take place. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I showed you in the site where the murder of George Floyd took place, there was new life being birthed spiritually right in the same street corner as the church came together, as ministries came together to reach out and to care and to love those who are hurting and in need, baptisms were happening right on the corner as people were turning to the Lord and Savior, the only true source of hope and peace. Many times it's when we're at our lowest of lows and at the bottom, the only place we have to look is up. And God has been present through all of this. Numbers have been coming in through online services. Those who are attending church, most are doing so through online services. And many of them use uh, tracking methods and, and analytics and the comments and responses that people put in to see that the number of people around the world hearing the gospel has exponentially increased. Many people who would never attend a traditional church building on the corner now can hear the gospel from the comfort of their own home. God has been using these dark circumstances in some very powerful ways. 
He promised as Emma led us in worship that he would bring good even in the midst of this darkness. And where we as individuals fall often on the spectrum, whether we are leaning towards the negative thoughts or towards seeing things through the light of Jesus, is often dependent on, on how we think. It's often determined on whether we believe there is enough in the world or whether we are about to run out. Run out of resources, run out of supplies, run out of medicine, run out of masks, run out of respirators, or whether we truly believe that God is going to be there and provide what is needed. Whether we believe we are about to run out or if there is more than enough will often determine how much of an impact we as individuals can make in this world. Because if we are busy hoarding and storing and pulling all to ourselves instead of giving and pouring out and helping others, it will determine how much of an impact we make in our world. This is called a scarcity mindset. And we don't want to be a people who have a scarcity mindset. One major way to check and see uh, whether we are the people who fall to the negative side, or the positive side, is simply to look at our finances and our money. Many times uh, where we put our checkbook uh, or our, our accounts and our spending will tell us if we are thinking more about ourselves and our well-being which is, which is good. We do need to be mindful of what we need. But are we putting the needs of others even before our own? A scarcity mindset gets in the way and blocks that. We live in a culture of consumption. We live uh, in a place where um, we consume. We come to a place of lacking because we've consumed. And then we come to a place of fear. And it's like a cycle. We get and we consume. We, we run out of it and we lack. And then that stirs up fear. And so the next opportunity we have to gather and to consume, we run and get it. And the scarcity cycle continues. The scarcity mindset is that there is not enough. Haggai 1.6 says it like this. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. That's how many in this world, especially during the season and circumstance, are feeling. They are feeling that there isn't enough, that we need to be mindful of ourselves first. And we neglect the mission that God has called us to. And so how do we get rid of this scarcity mindset? You see, what's interesting is if you're sitting there wondering, you know, I'm not sure that I've seen that scarcity mindset in our culture. Just take a moment and think back a couple months ago to the great toilet paper run of 2020. Walking down aisles in not just one store, but every store, and seeing toilet paper aisles depleted, completely empty, and people getting creative and buying napkins as toilet paper, or or uh, one, I was in a store in Myrtle Beach, and one, one um, 
family was buying wax paper. I mean, that would be a little weird. But the idea uh, of, of toilet paper running out. It, when history looks back at this and when teachers are teaching on, on this, this great pandemic, uh, it's going to be interesting because I think most students are going to think that coronavirus took people out because it caused a lot of diarrhea. It's a respiratory virus. So I have no idea how that connects to toilet paper. Maybe you've got it figured out, but one way or another, the toilet paper disappeared because we were afraid we would not have enough. And so we hoarded to ourselves. We fear took over, afraid that we wouldn't be, have enough, and we went and got it all just in case. You see, there's a scarcity mindset that drives us to fear, that, that causes us to worry. But God calls us to the opposite. The opposite of a scarcity mindset is an abundance mindset. The faith of knowing that there is more than enough. There is more than enough. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. We serve a God who does not want us living in fear, but wants us living in faith, depending on him and knowing that as he cares for the birds of the air, he cares even more for us. And yes, in some ways, God's care will come through us helping each other, through you taking what you've gathered and sharing it with others. Everything about God is excessive. His love is extra extravagant and his forgiveness and mercy knows no end. God gives grace and it never ends. There are so many stories of people uh, sharing this in their lives right now and being examples of this. Uh, I, I've been on weekly calls with other pastors in our network, and I'm, I'm so encouraged by the number of stories of uh, stories like, you know, somebody in our church, they got their stimulus check. They weren't expecting it. I mean, none of us were really expecting that kind of thing. And instead of spending it on themselves, they came to the church and said, is there somebody in need? We believe that God blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. And it's so encouraging to see that when we have the mindset, not of scarcity, but of abundance, that, that God is going to give us what we need and more than enough, then it opens up the doors for us to be vessels through which God's abundance and blessing flow to touch others. If we view life through the lens of scarcity, we will always be fearful and anxious. But Jesus has a very different plan for us as his children. In John chapter 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal. You see, the idea that we won't have enough, that's a lie of the devil. And yes, there can be a shortage of resources, but if we come together, as the church did in Acts chapter 2, we are aware of what each other is in need of, and we share and we take care of one another. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. 
And so we have a God, a God of more, a God of blessing, a God who is here to take care of us in our time of need. And so how can we push reset on our way of thinking and, and, and continually put the way we think in line with who God is and what he's promised for us? How can we inoculate ourselves against a scarcity mindset? Today, I want to share with you a story from the book of 2 Kings that I think is a beautiful picture of the abundant love that God wants to pour out into our lives so that we can pour it out into others. So turn with me right now to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to just read us through the passage. A certain woman... The widow of one of the guild prophets cried out to Elisha, My husband, your servant is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, yet now his creditor has come to take my two children into servitude. Elisha answered her, What am I to do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. She replied, this servant of yours has nothing in the house, nothing but a jug of oil. So let me give you the context of what's happening here. You see, this is happening during a time when the current king of Israel has actually led the nation away from God and, and, and to the worship of false gods and idols. This widow was married to a faithful, uh, a faithful man who honored the Lord and and, and in a way, I think she might be upset that she's sitting here saying to Elisha, you know, we're part of the faithful, the, the proud and the few. Um, while everybody else is turning uh, against God, we have stayed faithful. And yet my husband died and, and, and left me with this debt. And, and, and what y'all have to understand in that season, in that culture, Mosaic law allowed you to have your children enslaved uh, members of your household put into uh, servitude until your debt was paid. And so she's desperate. She's left with this deep amount of debt. Her husband, who is faithfully serving God, has now passed away. And now the creditors are coming to take her, her, her young men, her, her boys. And, and she's just saying, what am I to do? And so Elisha says, why are you coming to me? What am I to do for you? And he doesn't let her answer the question. He simply goes on to the next question. What am I to do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. So I want us to see this exchange. And I want us to learn uh, three basic principles of provision. Three basic principles that will help us inoculate ourselves to the scarcity mindset. And we're going to do it through the lens of this widow who is in a desperate situation like many of us have found ourselves or may even find ourselves now where, where the bills are piling up, the debt is insurmountable, um, there are debtors and creditors, collectors coming after us, and we don't know what to do. And so we're scared. We're living in fear, and we've got a scarcity mindset. So Elisha started by asking the question, what do you have? And I ask you today, what do you have? What do you have? Tell me what you have in our house. And so when, when first asked, the woman said, you know, 
I, I don't have anything. So the first point I want you to, to understand is don't diminish what you have. Don't diminish what you have. She replied, the, the servant of yours has nothing but simply a, a, a little jar of oil. That's all I have. I mean, I have enough maybe to, to make one more salad. Uh, there's nothing. I have nothing of value. And many times when we look at our life, we feel that same way, that, 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 that I've got nothing to offer. I want you to see that that, again, is a lie of the devil. You have all that you have because God has given you what you have. And if we are willing to give even what we think is nothing, God will take that nothing and make it something. Think about the feeding of the 5,000 plus when Jesus took the small lunch, the lunchable from the, from the kid in the audience and, and took the couple loaves of bread and the few fish and prayed over it and fed the masses. Don't diminish what you think you have. Our nothing in the hands of God becomes his something. In the hands of God, he will take our nothing and turn it into something. Don't diminish what you have. Number two, God often does the extravagant through what we think is insignificant. I'll repeat that. God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. Think about uh, all the farmers. Any of you farmers out there? Anybody ever planted a seed? You know, if, if the farmer lived constantly with a scarcity mindset, he would never plant. He wouldn't have a farm. You see, a farmer doesn't sit there and hold up that tiny seed and say, you know what, this isn't going to become anything. It's so small, it's nothing. But instead, a farmer sees a seed for the potential that is within it. If planted, if taken care of and watered, it will reproduce and grow and multiply, giving forth even more seeds, which will in turn be planted and cared for and watered and grow and multiply. And this is the seed of faith that God calls each of us to. Don't diminish the nothing you think you have, but see it for the something that God has a plan for it. The seed sown in faith is where God will do the exponential. So let's see the set the stage here for what's going on. This woman, she's at her, her, her last wits She's at, uh, she's, she's got, you know, a little jar of oil. Her sons are about to be taken off into servitude. She's freaking out and Elisha's visiting in town. And so she goes to him and says, I don't know what to do. I need the Lord. I need help. I need something. Let's see what his response is. He said to her, this is verse three, go out and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. So the very thing she thought was nothing, that she admitted having her little jar of oil, Elisha went with that. Okay, you've got some oil. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to all your neighbors, all your friends. I want you to gather together as many empty vessels as you can. 
Verse 4, then come back and close the door on yourself and your children. He's not inside. He, what he believes is about to happen. He wants this woman to not see that it's somehow something he is doing. But what is about to happen, he wants her to see it as simply something that only the Lord could do. Go and gather the vessels, go and collect them, borrow them, bring them into your house, shut yourself inside your house alone with you and your children and pour the oil into all the vessels. Sometimes God asks us to do things that, that make no sense at all. Go in and take the little oil you have and pour it into all the vessels. Until each vessel is filled and set them aside. Verse five. So she went out. She closed the door on herself and her children. And they handed her the vessels and she would pour the oil. She has what she thinks is nothing. And now she has all these vessels. Again, I want to point out that God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. There's a principle in the Bible you've heard. Uh, the faith of the galaxy is required to move a mountain. Is that what it is? Faith the size of a galaxy. No. The verse is faith of a mustard seed is all that's needed to move a mountain. A mustard seed, not a galaxy. God wants you to realize that your small nothing can be his very something. And he wants us to embrace that and to take that step of faith and trusting that he will take what little we have and multiply it for his good. A principle in scripture that this is worked out in, I believe, so clearly is the idea of the tithe. What is the tithe? The tithe was an act of giving a percentage, 10% of a person's resources, their income, their, 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 their goods, giving it back to the Lord. Why 10%? Well, this was something that predated Mosaic Law by, by hundreds of years. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? In the, in the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple of God. Uh, and, and in the New Testament, it's the local church. Bring the whole tithe. Tithe means 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What was this food used for? It was used to give to the, uh, to the needs of the, uh, of the poor and, and the orphans and the widows and those without. Bring in the tithe so that there's food in my house. And the Lord says this key thing. He says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Well, I thought we weren't supposed to test God. Well, the truth is, is the Bible says, don't put God to the test unless he says, test me. And, and there's no other place where God says, test me. 
And so this is definitely a place where God is calling us to put into the test. And why 10%? Why, why, why not a certain amount? Well, if, if God were to say you have to give a certain amount, then, then it would exclude somebody. But, it, but a percentage means that everybody has the chance to give something. Even your seven-year-old who, who gets a couple dollars a week allowance can give a percentage. Everybody can give something, even think, though you think you have nothing. Your nothing becomes God's something, and God will often do the extravagant through something that seems insignificant. Number three, God's abundance often follows our obedience. God's abundance often follows our obedience. There's a passage in Scripture where uh, uh, Saul uh, one of the, the first king of Israel goes into battle. He disobeys God and instead he takes all this plunder to himself. And when caught, uh, they, they approach him and say, you know, God told you not to take anything. And he said, well, I, I, I got it so that I could give it to God. And, and, and the prophet Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Many of us were not seeing God's blessing and abundance in our life because we're not walking and obedience to him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Where do we see this in the story? This woman, she didn't argue with the prophet. She didn't say, you know what? All I have is a little oil. I have enough for a salad. Why should I go and spend all this time and effort bugging my neighbors for their vessels when I have nothing to pour into them? What you're asking me to do is stupid. Sometimes we feel that way. We feel a challenge by God and, and we think, you know, we just can't make a difference. I'm reminded right now of, of the story of the young boy walking uh, down uh, uh, the shore where a bunch of starfish have been washed up. An older man picking one up at a time and tossing them back in. And the young boy says, what are you doing? He says, well, um, I'm saving this starfish's life. And the boy's like, well, there's so many. You'll never save them all. And he picked up the one. And he said, well, I saved this one. What we can do for one, let's do for one. Even though the mission may seem uh, impossible for us to do on our own, don't let your what seemingly is a small, insignificant step stop you from doing that one small thing that you can do. She didn't argue with him. She took her oil, the little bit she had left. She went and borrowed the vessels from her neighbors and friends, and she obeyed. Verse 6, as, they, as the sons brought her the vessels, she would pour into them. Verse 6, when all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he answered, there's none left. She kept filling to the point where each and every vessel they had was full. And it wasn't until the mission was over that the flow of the oil stopped. Let that sink in. God has given us a mission. The church is God's plan to accomplish his mission in this world. Jesus said to his church, 
love one another. By your love, all will know that you are my disciples. All will see your good works and come to know their heavenly Father. We have a mission. Let us not let our scarcity mindset keep us from seeing the abundance of God flow through our lives. She went and told the man of God, verse 7, And the man of God said, Now go and sell the oil you have to pay off your debts. And with what remains, you and your children can live. God is here. We oftentimes don't see him because all we see is the lack in our lives, the, the nothingness in our lives. But God, if we are willing to let God move in our lives, we will see him move in our lives. He will take what little we have. And oftentimes we get it backwards. We think, well, if I just had more, I'd give more. If I had more, I would then be able, be able to pour. Instead, God says, you know what? I'll give you more if you're ready to pour. Are you ready to pour? Are you ready to pour out what's in, what God has put into your life so that others can be blessed? There are many empty vessels in this world, and you might feel like you only have but just enough to get by, but you can't outpour the flow of God and his love in your life. God made us to be vessels through which his love and abundance flows. And if we want more, we must first be willing to pour. I think of Alicia and Kathy Mills working week after week in our Hope House. Uh, I think of uh, knowing the times and stories where Alicia came to the church because of her own needs, and yet constantly having a heart of care and concern for others. I'm so inspired by stories of people like Kathy Mills and, 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 and Kim Munoz and, and, and Alicia, who are always serving and putting the needs of others first. And in their pouring, God is doing the mooring. <laughs> I had to make it rhyme. As they're willing to pour, God has been providing more. I, I love the calls and the updates I get for Alicia. Pastor John, you won't believe how much stuff was just dropped off at the Hope House. You won't believe how many stores are donating towards us being able to take care. We cannot outgive God. You cannot outpour yourself when God is the one pouring into you. Are we willing to take that step of faith? And to not live according to the scarcity mindset, but to live knowing that God is here to give us abundant life. I have the faith to pour because I belong to the God of more. That's my hope and prayer for each of us. That we would pour out knowing we can't outpour God. We can't outgive God. We can't outlove God. We can't outlive God. God is here to live and serve through us. And my hope is that you're willing to open up your heart and life to live that way. I know that the first time I learned this lesson, 
I've told this story before. We were in church and there was a lesson on, on this kind of giving back to God. And I had just earned my first $20 from a lawn mowing business that summer. Uh, after church, we were going to be going to a flea market, and I knew exactly what I was going to do with that $20. I had my eyes on a skateboard there. And so the end of the sermon came, and at the end of the sermon, there was a time for collecting the offering, and I had a $20 bill, and I had just learned that tithing is giving 10%. And I was like, oh man, I have 20. I want to buy that skateboard today, but man, my heart, I want to give back to you, God but I only have a 20 and so maybe I'll just give back to you later. I'm gonna work more this next week and so I'll make more and I'll give more next week. And then all of a sudden, my dad gave me a 10 of five and five ones and he took the 20. I was like, oh man, how am I supposed to say no now? And so the offering came. I put in my $2 and I just, okay, God, I love you. Uh, I, I know that you will take uh, these $2 and, and do your will with it. And I'll just save up. And when we go to the flea market next time, I'll be able to buy that skateboard. And so I gave my $2. Uh, long story short, we went to the flea market and I was excited. And I thought, man, you know what I can do? I can at least run over and look at the skateboards and pick out the one I want, make sure it's exactly the one I want. And I ran over to the spot where the skateboard guy was set up usually. And guess what? He wasn't even there. I was like, wow, I had all that stress and heartache for no reason. The guy isn't even here today. I'm glad I gave back to God. And so we went on about our day at the flea market. My second favorite booth was the booth with all the, the uh, ninja swords and the, and the survival knives, you know, like a Rambo knife and, and throwing stars, Chinese stars. And, and there was this really cool Chinese star. And I had, I had my $18. I had three ones left, a five and a 10. And, and the Chinese stars were only three bucks. And it was really cool. So, of course, with the permission of my father, I bought one of the uh, Chinese stars. And so now I had a cool Chinese star. I had given my tithe to God. And I had 15 bucks left. And I was excited. I knew I'd be coming back eventually to buy that skateboard. So we're about to leave. And as we're on our way back to the car, guess who shows up? The skateboard guy. He's setting up his booth. He just got there later in the day. And so I went over as my parents are doing their last checkout with it, whatever they're getting. I go back to the skateboard booth and I'm, I find the one I want. It's the one I had seen. It looked really cool. And the guy said, so are you going to keep looking at it or are you going to buy it? And I said, well, uh, I'll have to just buy it next time because uh, I only have $15 and, and not the 20 you're asking. And the guy said, $15, it's yours. I just love that that was my first lesson in tithing because I was wanting to hold on to what little I had because I thought I needed it. And yet, by giving to God, I got more than I expected. I was able to give to God, get my skateboard, and a bonus Chinese star. We can't outgive God. Are you willing to take what little insignificant you think you have and pour it into the lives of others? God will never let you outpour what he is asking you to do. He will never call you to do something that he won't enable you to do. And so are you willing to, instead of holding on to the scarcity mindset, to allow God to help us to put him first,
And you can do so in a number of ways. You can join our team at the Hope House. You can join our food delivery team going out and bringing meals and goods and supplies to those who can't get out. You can join our, our uh, English as Second Language team to teach classes. You can join our production and media team and, and help fill the shoes of those uh, who are left empty when certain people need a week off. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to pour so that God can do more? That's my hope. That's my heartbeat. That's what God has called us to do. Here's the mission. Here's the reason. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 11 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly. God wants to bless you abundantly, but not so that you can just keep the blessings to yourself. It says God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The good work of serving, the good work of pouring out your life into the lives of others. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And here is the purpose and the mission that God calls us. He doesn't want us just to be good deed doers. He doesn't want us just to have hearts of generosity and love. There's a reason for this mission. And the mission is this, that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Our good works, our good deeds have one purpose, that those who do not yet know God will come to know him as their father in heaven. This is the goal. The goal of life is to be filled, to achieve, to collect. But when we think about the goal of life, it is to pour out. As Christ poured out himself for us, let us in response be willing to pour out of ourselves for others. As an act of worship to who who God is and what he has done for us. Let us pour out our lives in the service and the love and the care of others. Let us not be people to hold on, but to open up and to let go and to pour out. The first thing that we can do is to understand that God has given us all something to be a blessing to others with. Ask God, God, what do I have that you want to use? And if you still have no answer, then just simply start giving of your time. Join the team to start serving. And in the act of serving, God will show you how he wants to use you. Join our team doing food deliveries. Join our team doing ministry to children, to youth. Join our team visiting shut-ins and people in, in, in need of care. There are ways that God wants to use you. And if you're listening today... And you don't yet quite know the love of God in your own life. Jesus came to pour out his life for you. The Bible says that while we were distant from him, it even goes on to say that while we were sinners and enemies against God, his love drove him to come. He did not consider heavenly things something to hold on to, but he let go of that and came down to our earth taking on the form of a servant so that we would be served and ultimately served in the greatest way of him knowing our deepest debt was a debt of 
of brokenness and sin in our lives. And he gave up his life on the cross, taking our sins upon himself, that if anyone who would put their hope and faith and trust in him, his poured out blood would wash us white as snow, forgiving us of all our sins. And so if you've never received the loving of God in that way, the Bible says if you confess that you need him, if you confess that you are a sinner, he is faithful and just and willing to forgive you of all unrighteousness. That is your first step today. If you want to receive the love of Jesus into your life, just pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you that in spite of my brokenness and my oftentimes going against you, thank you for pursuing me and pouring your love into my life. I open up my life to receive your love and your forgiveness. Forgive me for the things that I've done that are wrong. Forgive me for my sin. Help me to make you the Lord of my life. Come into my life and make me new. Show me what it means to truly live and follow you. Come in. Forgive me and make me new. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead and now living inside of me. Help me to be the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. If you gave your heart today uh, to God just now with me and prayed that prayer, let me know. Uh, raise a hand in the comments below. Send me a direct message. I'd love to connect with you and show you some next steps you can do to walk and to grow in your walk with our Savior. Again, thank you for tuning in today. Let us not live in fear behind a scarcity mindset, but learn to pour because we belong to the God of more. God came to give us abundant life so that we would be vessels through which his love and mercy flows. Join me on this mission.